It's Thursday, March the 11th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, stimulus for America and stimulation for Mexico. First, the world in brief. America's House of Representatives passed the Senate-approved version of a huge stimulus bill, paving the way for Joe Biden to sign it into law. Voting on the $1.9 trillion package split along party lines. Under the legislation, millions of Americans will be posted one-off checks for $1,400, and the unemployed will continue to receive $300 a week top-ups until September. Meanwhile, inflation accelerated at its fastest pace in six months as prices rose by 0.4% in February. But much of the increase came from rising energy prices. Core inflation, which excludes food and fuel, rose by just 0.1%. Merrick Garland was confirmed as America's Attorney General by the Senate in a 70-30 vote, with 20 Republicans in support. Republican senators had blocked his consideration for a seat on the Supreme Court when Barack Obama nominated him in 2016. Mr Garland has pledged to fend off any effort to politically influence the Department of Justice. Partners at McKinsey elected Bob Sternfels to replace Kevin Sneeder as their new boss. The consulting firm's reputation has been tarnished lately. Among several recent high-profile controversies, it advised Purdue Pharma on how to market opioids more aggressively. Even so, the firm plumped for an insider. Mr Sternfels was, in effect, its chief operating officer. Libya's parliament approved an interim unity government to serve until elections in December. The country has been racked by civil war for years, with outside powers supporting two rival governments that emerged in the chaos after Muammar Gaddafi was toppled in 2011. Abdul Hamid Debeba will be the interim prime minister. Nation, a Kenyan newspaper, reported that John Magufuli, Tanzania's president, is suffering COVID-19 symptoms and is on a ventilator in one of Kenya's private hospitals. Mr Magufuli has not been seen in public since last month. He once denied the existence of the virus in his country and later claimed that prayers would suffice to combat it. Britain's world-beating test-and-trace system is not effective, according to a new government report. The contact tracing programme, launched in 2020, has failed to meet key targets, such as turning around all tests in physical facilities within 24 hours. It was originally given a budget of £22 billion, $31 billion, equivalent to the annual budget of the country's Department for Transport, and has just received a further £15 billion. And the lower house of Mexico's parliament voted to decriminalize the recreational use of cannabis. Canada and some American states have already done so, but Mexico, which introduced marijuana and pot into English, would become the largest polity in which everyone is free to buy and smoke the stuff. Debate concentrated on whether legalization would abate the country's terrible drug war. And now, here's today's agenda. Ten years on, the Fukushima disaster. 
On March 11, 2011, a massive undersea earthquake struck off the eastern coast of Japan, triggering a tsunami that killed nearly 20,000 people and destroyed over 100,000 homes. It also sparked a crisis at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant, cutting it off from power and flooding its generators. With no way to cool the reactor cores, its nuclear fuel began to melt. The event cast a long shadow. Angela Merkel, Germany's chancellor, ordered her country's reactors to be phased out. Nuclear power stopped being regarded as crucial to the battle against climate change. Closures and the retirement of older sites mean that advanced economies could lose two-thirds of their nuclear capacity by 2040, according to the International Energy Agency. But well-regulated nuclear power is safe and can supply some of the vast amounts of dependable emissions-free electricity the world needs. The lesson of Fukushima is to use nuclear power wisely, not to eschew it. The Big Four Europe considers another vaccine. Today, the European Medicines Agency will decide whether to approve a fourth COVID-19 vaccine. The jab under consideration is developed by Janssen, a subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson, an American drug maker. While America and Britain successfully began their vaccination campaigns in December, Europe watched from the sidelines. The bloc has been painfully slow in approving and distributing vaccines, and shortages caused further delays. Now it is playing tougher. Last week, Italy blocked a shipment of 250,000 domestically produced doses destined for Australia. Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, hinted that others might follow suit. Tight supplies of the AstraZeneca Oxford jab will be even scarcer, as more members are now approving it to vaccinate their over 65s. A big worry is that other countries could be tempted to retaliate against Italian-style bans by restricting exports of components needed to make the vaccines. Assertiveness may be welcome at home, but Europe needs friends and partners abroad too. The End of the Experiment democracy in Hong Kong. China's rubber-stamp parliament is expected to approve sweeping changes to Hong Kong's electoral system today. The overhaul will in effect block Democrats from standing for election and crush decades of democratic development in the freest city on Chinese soil. The proposal includes introducing a body to vet candidates running for office at every level down to neighbourhood elections to ensure they are patriots, defined as people loyal to the Chinese Communist Party. It also outlines expanding both Hong Kong's legislature and the committee which elects the territory's chief executive in order to give more seats to pro-Beijing groups. Both bodies are already stuffed with loyalists. This is the latest effort by the CCP to tighten its grip over Hong Kong after pro-democracy protests swept the city in 2014 and 2019. In 2020, China's parliament bypassed local officials in Hong Kong to impose a draconian security law on the city. Yielding Questions, the European Central Bank Expect a heated debate during today's monetary policy meeting. Government bond yields in the euro area, though still low in many countries, have been inching up, taking their lead from America. What, if anything, should the European Central Bank do? 
The Doves have argued that such long-term interest rate rises, which could feed through to higher financing costs for the wider economy, might in turn jeopardize the euro area's recovery. They come at a time when many places are still locked down and the pace of vaccination has been slow. Yet hawkish types have been more relaxed about the rises, with some seeing them as an indication in part of better growth prospects. Few commentators are therefore expecting the bank to take drastic steps to keep yields from rising. But Christine Lagarde, its president, may vow to act if yields rise too quickly, for example by stepping up the pace of the ECB's bond-buying scheme. The question is whether words alone will satisfy investors. Succession. Rupert Murdoch turns 90. It is more than half a century since Rupert Murdoch turned The Sun, a dreary British broadsheet, into a tabloid engine of scandal, source and profit. Today, his 90th birthday, his companies, Fox and News Corp, are worth nearly $40 billion. Their economic weight is, if anything, exceeded by their political heft. Fox News, the main money spinner, is America's favorite cable channel and the political compass of many conservatives who followed its advice to vote for Donald Trump and treat COVID-19 like the flu. Who will inherit this fearsome machine? The eldest Murdoch son, Lachlan, is already chief executive of Fox and co-chairman with his father of News Corp. But when the elder Mr. Murdoch dies, control of the family trust that has a commanding stake in both firms will be shared by his four eldest children. Not all of them speak to each other, let alone agree. Plenty of material for another season of drama. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Whitney M. Young, who died on this day in 1971. It is better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one, than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.